Hatihei Mauriora, Inga Mana, Inga Rio, Ero Rangatirama. Kia ora and welcome to Māori Initiative's podcast show, Tamangai the Mouthpiece, in association with podcast.nz. Thanks for joining us. As each week, our guests share a part of their life's journey to Te Iratangata, improve quality of life. Uh, I had the pleasure this week of joining our special guest at the New Zealand Fashion Show, and it was choice. So uh, if you're in Tamaki Makoto, when the next one's on, I highly recommend you go along and support our our awesome up-and-coming uh, Māori fashion designers that utterly blew me away. And with that tonight, uh, we're happy to have with us on the show tonight uh, Janine Clarkin. Kia ora, Janine. Kia ora. <laughs> Great to have you with us. Thank you for having <laughs> on me. On Tamangai. Yeah, yeah. And first, I've got to say thank you so much for that uh, little invite. Uh, I, was, I wasn't expecting it to be uh, so enriching. Uh, I usually leave it to the ladies to go to the fashion shows. So. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was really great. Uh, so thank you for that. And uh, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, just a little bit about us. Uh, every week uh, we try and get a uh, Māori guest on the show to talk about their part of their life story and uh, how did they get to where they are now and where are they going. Uh, and and for our listeners, of course, as you already know, the, the idea is about te iratanga. So we're all encouraged uh, about our, our life and how we can make better choices. So looking forward to hearing uh, what you have to share with us tonight. And, uh, and I'm sure it's going to be a fun little um, a fun story. So uh, Janine, I, I, uh, I know a little, a little bit about you, but maybe if you'd like to give us a little bit of a whanaungatanga, uh, that would be good. Kia ora, ko Raiho te Papa te Maunga, ko Waiho te Awa, ko Tikapa te Moana, ko Ngāti Hako te Iwi, ko te Kotahi Tanga te Marae, ko Janine Clark and Ahau. Oh. Well, kia ora. Um, Janine, uh, you come from Waiheke Island? I, I reside in Waiheke Island and I grew up in Taupo and we're from Hauraki, Pairo, which includes Waiheke Island, so I'm thankful to be able to live in my um, tribal area. Mm-hmm. Apparently the second most beautiful place on in the world to live or something like that, eh? Yes. Oh, uh, Tokomaru Bay is uh, number one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that on TripAdvisor. Oh, it's in there. <laughs> oh, cool, cool. So, um, so Janine, do you, you operate out of Waikiki Island? You've got a business there, whānau there? Yes, I have a. Um, I've been on Waiheke Island for the last twelve years with my son, who's now fifteen, and I've been lucky enough to um, be the kaitiaki of the old Waiheke police station. So that's where I have my fashion studio, and then I live in the sergeant's house, oh, really? which unfortunately has a beautiful sea view. Uh, and a view of Maunga Moiho, which is our um, Ooh, yeah. iwi maunga. Oh, lovely, lovely. Oh, I have to come and pay a visit. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> great. <laughs> and uh, so you're a world-renowned uh, fashion designer. You're, um, you've been leading the way here, from what I've been seeing of your work, with taking recycled materials and uh, doing incredible things in high fashion with that. Uh, 
And uh, I, when I saw particularly the blankets, uh, how you were converting those into high fashion, I, it just blew me away. I, I, I just I don't know if our listeners out there, but Google it. <laughs> Janine Clark and then have a look at her fashion. It is amazing. Um, and so that, it just really struck me and uh, I thought, yeah, I want to meet that person that does that. And uh, so I'm really, it's really great to have you tonight. But what we do here on Tamangai is to really want to have a look at the backstory. How did you get to being a world-renowned fashion designer as a Māori woman out of Waiheke Island? Where does that story begin? And uh, I, I, we'd just love to hear that. Yes. So it begins back in Taupo where I grew up, and my parents were had the one of the very early recycling centres in Aotearoa, and so one of the products they had was the giant, huge sacks of recycled clothes, like we had barns full of them. And as a, a whanau at that time, we all had little jobs we had to do, but I was able to like secretly dodge the do- jobs and hide in the <laughs> clothes and just play in the clothes while my brothers and sisters did the jobs. And... Um, <laughs> because I really enjoyed all the textures and the clothes um, that were uh, there in the those giant wool sacks at the time. Well, how old are you then? About between um, 7 and 10, 12. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, quite a so good period of time. So you're literally swimming in fashion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, being what they call now low socio, um, that was the best we... Um, we couldn't really go to Shanton and buy clothes all the time like the other kids oh. or Jag, which they had a Jag factory in Topo as well. So what I was able to do was hunt through the clothes and find good ones and redesign them. So from a very young age, age, I was able to say, look, I redesigned this and I'm a designer. And so I just kept building myself up from, you know, age 10 to saying that I was a designer. Well, who was wearing the clothes? Uh, me. <laughs> and I'd also have to, when it turned from the 70s to the 80s, I could take all the slim, all the flares into straight legs. And then when it got to ball season, when we were more like 15, I could make all my sisters and cousins their ball dresses. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. So that's the beginning. That's the beginning. So I knew... There was a, some stigma between saying that things were homemade and between saying things that were designer. So whenever there was a mufti day at school or something and everyone showed up with their brand new Shanton clothes and I had whatever I had, I could say, yes, I designed it. Wow. Instead of saying, we're so poor, I could, I, this is all we could have. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so somehow I figured out some kind of marketing yeah, no, I, I think I did the same <laughs> yeah. thing with my Levi jeans, eh? And then they became shorts. Yeah. <laughs> they got ripped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, my um, whole whānau, my cousins and aunties, they were always industrious as well. And they, my aunties all sewed. And my most of my first cousins um, sewed and had... Um, become top designers as well and it was just normal it was like there's just something you did it wasn't we didn't I didn't even really know it was an extra special gift I just thought everyone that was around me did it and so it was just a normal that everyone sewed so so you just Friday night go and hang out around the 
sewing machine. <laughs> Something like that. And I was also lucky enough to have an auntie with a bridal boutique who I could go to after school and um, and just play around at her boutique and she would just encourage me to say, when's, when's your next Paris design going to be? And I'd just muck around at her studio when I was in that, you know, 10 to 15 age. and So there's a lot of encouragement going on. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. it's interesting, when I went to Brazil for the first time, and um, my wife at the time, her mum was a designer, and she loved designing, um, and so she would encourage her kids always to, to look good and to feel good. And, of course, when I first saw my wife, she looked exceptional because all of her clothes were tailor-made. And you don't see a lot of that in Aotearoa. Mostly people want to dress down. They don't like to dress up. So I love this story about somebody who was enthused, even at your age, to you know, 10 or 12, to, to want to actually dress up. Because I always felt the same myself, and I still dress up for no reason other than I, I like to dress up, and it <laughs> makes you feel kind of a little bit special. So, so yeah, oh, it's, it's interesting I, what they can do for you. Aren't I you? feel a bit underdressed. Oh, you, look, <laughs> you look amazing, brother. When oh, I was a little, my brothers would say, oh, I should get dressed up to put the rubbish bins out. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's like... So you had someone there yeah. at an early age, uh, as well as all of the whānau being involved in, the, in this craft of sewing and create, creating, uh, and, but you've got your auntie, you said, there? Yes, at, my auntie. Had a store? Yeah. Oh, wow. wow. And, and that's in Waiheke? Or? That was in Taupo. Oh, Taupo. Yeah. Taupo. So and then when I was 16, we moved to Paeroa, and um, at that point I met another woman with a boutique and town and country surf designs and so I'd I started going to her shop after school and making clothes and she let me put them on the rack as well and selling them but still I didn't really think I was going to be a designer I I really wanted to be a hairdresser because I thought hairdressers wear the coolest clothes (laughs) and at that stage being a designer wasn't really a career option I went to the career. When I went to ask the careers advisor if I could be a hairdresser, she looked at my hair, which I also used to cut being of low socio, (laughs) and she kind of looked at my hair and she goes, why don't you be a cook? (laughs) I I said, but my sister's a cook. (laughs) She was at shipping school, so I was like, I want to be a hairdresser because I want to wear cool clothes that I make. So I just managed managed to jump ahead and take myself to fashion school in the 20s and become the... Designer. Ah, okay. okay. So, hang on. you said you went to fashion school. Yeah. When I was 20, I went to Wellington Polytech School of Fashion, which is now Massey University. And it, then it was really exclusive. It started off really exclusive and then it widened. So, in my year, there's maybe 36, you know, people could have been in the school in my year. Um, lots of, most of the top designers went there, like Karen Walker and... Quite a few went through the Wellington School, and there's also the mm. Auckland School as well. All oh, right, and what were there many Maori there then? Or? No, I think <laughs> I was the token Maori. There was one Maori in every year, and there was then there was like one of every other culture. So there was Colombian, Cambodian, um, about five other ethnic mm. cultures, and then the rest were Kiwis out of the thirty-six people so it's janine the trailblazer eh? <laughs> oh that's what was that like 
being in that environment, you know, working in there, um, as as a Māori with your, you know, our, the way that we roll with our customs, how did you survive that? Yeah, um, it was quite intense, but it was really lucky that as a Māori and as the other ethnics in the class, we had a background to fall back on. So mm. the Pākehā designers would just copy from the magazine whatever European designer was in at the moment, but at least the um, ethnics and myself as Māori were able to have the uh, bit of cultural black background that we could draw inspiration from. So that was um, really good to have have that. Yeah, uh, sorry, when is this? This is, this is in 1991 and 1992, okay. so, <clears throat> yeah. So... What was it like then bringing traditional Māori patterns? Because when I see a lot of your work, you're sort of extending on those those classical traditional Māori things, yeah. and it comes into your work. So were you exploring that there in the college? And if so, what was it like finding your, I suppose, your pathway through that? Yeah, so I, I was able to bring um, my ideas through the cut, so there was, using the potama, I could cut a skirt that had potama cut out and um, kuru cut out and just using the positive, negative and white space um, to bring the patterns through because at that stage we hadn't really um, developed screen printing. I did do a little bit of embroidery and beading, which I still have, which... Does which at the time I thought I was doing you know something Maori and when yeah. I look at it now it doesn't look Maori at all, but um, you know it was that's it's just part of re- the journey, <laughs> eh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so you found some things that that you enjoyed doing that were working, or yeah. So then... I managed to, um, all each of the ethnics all did traditionally inspired clothing for their during their work at college so that was that was um you know enhancing to know that that could be a way to go um when I come out I moved to Hamilton and I thought I was going to make um like tailored coats for lovely white ladies <laughs> or well-off <laughs> ladies oh, okay. but I was um I come across Bucknin Oh, yeah. Who who's a really awesome contemporary Māori artist. And he introduced me to a guy, Matt Choate, who had all the screen prints from the 60s. And uh, he had a lot of traditional um, patterns like the pātiki, ko whaiwhai, and tāniko patterns. And so he put us together and that really started my um, my fashion label in 1994 as a um, Māori streetwear designer. Mm-hmm. So at, the, at that stage, at that time, there was Tahi Clothing, which was on um, Queen Street, and Pōhutu Prints in Rotorua, which were targeted at tourists, but oh, yeah. Māori in general didn't actually wear clothes with oh, Māori mean, designs. You fashion for Māori. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> at the, around True, that time, was Tāmuka was getting a... You know, rejuvenated and Rangi Kippa was doing a lot of tamuko, and then the mm. Te Reo movement was coming through, so it became a good accessory towards enhancing the culture. 
Right. Uh, what did you call it? Māori streetwear? Yes. A- and uh, how did that go? Did it take off? Yeah, went really well. What uh, I had about three main products, which was a maro. So for those that don't know what a maro is, it's just a square bit of loincloth. And I managed to um, put that, uh, inspire a whole generation of people to just wear the square of cloth over their jeans. And I also um, produced an apron, which I became quite well known for, this apron, which um, everybody had one. And they had them in their desk at work. And if there was suddenly they had to put on a porphyry at work, they'd have their little apron. And I, what I... What I made it for was two things, was that it was an optical illusion. So if you had your apron right. and a suit jacket, you would appear to be wearing a nice dress. <clears throat> but if you were just casually dressed at work, but it was Ooh. the optical illusion that that you would have something more on than what you had on. And um, I remember that. These yeah. aprons, I had the tarnical print, and I also had an enormous... Um, Tāmuka print that I'd commissioned Gordon Hatfield to draw for me, which was so was on um, giant silver with black denim, and it was really strong. It was more like a shield plate, mm-hmm. and so that mm-hmm. was um, just experiencing that the mana you have in the kitchen as a woman and the confidence that goes with it, and then just transferring that oh. into other areas of your life. So um, Must have made millions off that, Janine. <laughs> and then just having, so that was targeted at wow. only Māori or only Māori would, you know, would wear it at that time. It's like, you know, a Samoan wouldn't wear a big, huge, giant Māori thing on their chest and the Pākehās wouldn't need them. So at that time it was a really good tool for identifying in a non-verbal way as to who was Māori. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. that was, um, that happened so that was yeah, that's great. actually huge. That's a really huge thing to be able to get that nationally uh, going for people to be able to identify and have something that they can reconnect with who they are, their whakapapa, uh, through a garment, just putting a garment on that can empower them. Man, that's... Yeah. Well, we all want to know what came after, what's, what's, <laughs> what came after that. So I, that kind of grew over the few years and as... Um, Myself and therefore my customers and the, you know, social climate in general got more confident and comfortable with, you know, taha Māori. Uh, my designs got smaller until they become more subliminal, and then they, um, the, you know, Māori stamp kind of disappeared, and I just um, assimilated more into the cut of the design. Um, mm. Then. Then, then I was more free to, um, just, just much more freer in my designs, and then, then I kind of turned into the, the um, environmental aspect of having the blanket and recycling. So just going back to my recycling roots, and um, I really like the wool and the coats, and um, now so just for our listeners, I just <laughs> again. I- I've I've seen these and they're amazing. I mean, they're 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 more like they're like a tonga. It's still like an heirloom kind of thing, you know. I mean, I think my great 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 grandfather, you know, our great great grandfather on the east coast wore one in battle, you know. So he 
I've seen a, a painting and he's got a belt round his waist with the blanket tucked into it with a with a musket in the other hand hey eh? so you've you've kind of taken that reference as well as yes yeah so I use the a couple of reasons good reasons for using the blankets was one it was wool and at the time two dollars for a blanket and it's like two meters of wool whereas wool fabric wool flannel fabric which is basically what it is is like 40 or 50 bucks a meter wow and then i'd get like two whole meters for four bucks or two bucks and (laughs) so there was one and then they're like individual and then um having been a fashion activist over the years i really um enjoyed the land for blanket (coughs) concept and and the um and then just the anti-colonization and reclaiming Sorry, did you say a fashion about... fashion activist? Yeah, yeah. I never heard that before. What's what's yeah. a fashion activist? Well, just u- like using the um, non-verbal, you're just using my fashion to to present social issues and um, yeah. Oh, just... well, there you go. <laughs> that's so cool. So uh, that's kind of the, the a little bit of the background now. You've been really instrumental on the global stage in terms of representing uh, Māori fashion uh, all over the world. When I went and had a little look, you're you're in New York, you're showing Paris, you're London, Melbourne, Melbourne, <laughs> yeah, Hawaii. Yeah. Oh, uh, I mean, one that, of my earlier ones was in in one of my early and favourite ones was in Geneva at the UN. So At the, the UN, at, like as in the In the, the round UN, tables UN. in the UN. So that was a, um, uh, so that was my first Indigenous um, event and that, that one was um, Sami, um, an ancestor of Shaka Zulu and myself as Māori. And on that same trip I went to London to Ngāti Rānana for the one of the early Matariki events. So, because um, my clothes aren't in the Pākehā world fashion cycle, because um, I can get quite a few years off one design, so it's not in the you know in fashion, out of fashion. Right. It's yes. just a it's a fashion item, but it's not in or out. It's just my own niche trend. So. Um, so I felt that I sat better in the indigenous scene. So, yes, yeah, so my, in my early times, which is around the turn of, around the millennium, I was able to go to Switzerland, Hawaii, London to be involved in um, indigenous events, and more re- recently to the Melbourne and London Pacific, which is a great collective of Pacific Islanders and Maori, and we show in London. <laughs> yeah. What's what's it like to have your um, designs uh, being shown uh, on the global stage? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, they get um, received well. Yeah, and it's just I also travel a lot with uh, my other friend Shona Tapia, so who's a woven, and our works are completely different but complementary so she's the harakeke queen eh? <laughs> the yeah, so it's, it's good to have um two things that we can show together wow that yeah. would complement up really well eh? okay 
Okay. And what's your favourite? My favourite. What's one that you like going back to? I like all of them. Paris is my one of my favourite places to go. Um, I'm looking to go to North. I've got invites to Northeast India, and (laughs) (laughs) there's Canada. Though I haven't. um, Yeah, there's plenty of um, opportunities in Canada, and uh, but I'm quite keen to go to Alaska because they have blankets as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just with um, um, you know, like obviously somehow or other you got to go to the UN. What was like the what triggered that opportunity? Because I'm just thinking, one of the conversations we try to have every, each week on the show is is about giving hope to our young people, especially mm. at the moment with, you know, you, you watch the news and they're talking about youth suicide and just general depression and mm. our young people. It's like, how, you know, not not all of us get that, that breakthrough moment, yeah. but how, how can we encourage our young people who maybe have a passion or a fire like you did, you know, very young how do they can sustain that, even if it doesn't take off in a hurry, or if it takes time to get through to the to that breakthrough moment? And I mean, some of us never get there, but just just living off the dream of getting there is enough yeah. sometimes to keep us keep our hopes up. And you know, so I'd be interested to see how that moment came with that opportunity to go to the United Nations. I yeah. think you know yeah. how you got there. So at Maori and most of the um, indigenous cultures, it's as we know, hitangata, hitangata, hitangata. Um, and just constantly networking. How I got to the UN is was I'm also part of the Māori artists. No, that's another. I was part of Māori artists and writers, but I'm also part of Ngā Aho Whakari, which is Māori film and television. And they had a conference where they hosted two um, native filmmakers from the US. And then she had a friend who was going to the UN and so they linked us up, and um, right. I said I was going to London. She goes, well, and I was also going to Switzerland to see another artist friend, and so they said, well, I was going to towards Geneva and further south, but she goes, why don't you go to, you know, this place? I went, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, just, so there's the, you know, whānau network, and then the, you know, in your little rohe network, whether that's just Auckland or Wellington, and then it went further into international and indigenous international, and yeah, so and so we just continually, once you're seen by one, like my invite to India is because I went to London, and I, I saw a, a Northeast India designer, so she's invited me there, and yes, yeah, so it's just keep it keeps keeping rolling, flowing, eh? yeah. Yeah, just risking to be out there and and you never know who you're going to meet and some people look pretty inconspicuous, but, you know. Yeah, they're the ones, eh? You never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, it is important to to dream, you know, and not give up the dream. And I, mm. I think we're, we're listening to you tonight share, you know, coming from... What do you call low, lower, lower so, lower so show, yeah. low so show? We, we know that space well. No, God. Hey, bro, I'm from Glen Dean, mate. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you know, to have a dream and to hold on, you know, to that dream, 
uh, and to see it transition. Uh, it really, part of your story is, this, it sounds like the strength of your whanau, eh? that whanaungatanga, uh, to kind of, at the right time, uh, to yeah. underpin you. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. So, tell us about this whakatipua rangi. So, um, as... <laughs> Intergenerational mentoring. So I started when I'm 24, and I still feel like I'm 24, but it's that's <laughs> oh, nearly 24 Kilda. years ago. <laughs> so um, um, part of being the leader in fashion is I get many um, requests to assist others and and also to collaborate and take the new generation forward. So um, my first project major project on that was my 15-year-old son. Oh, he was 14 last year. Um, I was travelling the world a lot and he was staying home and then I said he could come with me, but he had to either model or design a collection. And I thought, well, he's a 14-year-old boy. He should know what 14-year-old boys like to wear. And um, he pretends to be a bit shy, so he chose design. So he designed a um, awesome collection for which we released in, at Melbourne Fashion Week with the Indigenous Runway Project. Then we showed, made a new collection for Matariki, in, which we re-showed at London Fashion Week. So he kind of accidentally guided <laughs> into <laughs> becoming a designer, Fair and then. he has his own label <laughs> called George. George. Yeah. George Fashion, is it? Yeah, just cool. George, just George by George. itself, and um, but he always, even though, you know, I pushed him into it. He always kind of had it, like he'd when we were little at the bus stop, and he'd, and I'd be still having him in my backpack, and he'd reach over and he'd be patting people's uh, fabric, patting their shoulder and feeling As their you fabric do. As and you do. <laughs> and stuff. And then he had little, um, he has set ideas on how he want to look. Um, Ideally, his dream is to have seven pairs of black pants, seven white t-shirts, seven white pants, just seven of everything, and just have one one look. <laughs> Such a godly number. <laughs> he's eight. like a minimalist, and he's <laughs> like, yeah. So, but yeah, he hasn't achieved that yet. <laughs> so, so um, in the meantime, I've got him designing, and I, um, you know, pushed him into modelling as well, but. Um, hasn't heard him. <laughs> yeah, he's got quite a good following of his own and comes oh, up with sure. good ideas that that I wouldn't have thought of. <laughs> so it carries on, eh? Yeah. The lineage carries and then, on. Um, is he using, you know, modern platforms to communicate his his brand and, and such? Like, obviously he's, you know, like as yourself, I imagine, fully aware of the power of the platforms now with Facebook and all those. Yeah. I mean, that's a big part of business in, in a way, I suppose. Yeah, so he's he's um, so we're still developing his um, marketing and that, but he's he's on Facebook and a little bit on Instagram, but their their age is on Snapchat, and I'm mm. not, <laughs> so I haven't really <laughs> studied that much. But I'll, 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 yeah. once he's finished his NCA, I'll have to get him a bit more focused in oh, awesome. that direction. Mm. Yeah. So Janine, where would you say uh, Māori fashion is at right now and where do you see it going forward? 
Yes, so just from being at Fashion Week last week, there was a the two combinations of the show we attended, the Adrian Whitefoot show. Oh, that was awesome. Which was, um, you know, strong Māori patterns. Mm. Amazing. You know, targeted at Māori and tourists, um, wearing that as everyday wear. Then when I went to the Miramoto show, there was a more... Um, Subliminal or more less obviously Maori clothes. So there's Maori designers that are making general clothes or more um, artistic, creative fashion. Um, yeah, just fashion now kind of clothes. Yeah. So it's um. Is that were they separated because it, this was a specific? Uh, fashion designer showing her range. This was because um, she had she had showed the previous years in the group shows, and this yeah. was her. She's her um, her business and her growth and her the strength of her, you know, design and customer basis. She was able to afford and put on had the clientele mm. to put on a solo show, and then mm. the Muramoda show, which was on the Thursday, was a, a group show for. Emerging designers. All right. So for our listeners, so her name again, Adrian. Adrian. So I've never been to one of these. I, I come in the door with you, and you went to the VIP, and I went to the back uh, bleachers. It was great. <laughs> it was great, and uh, I don't know what's going to come. And out comes this uh, Maori girl with with a Modi stone, with this awesome Maori uh, music playing. Uh, with the nose flutes and the wind instruments, comes up, puts the modi down, and then next minute, out comes another girl warrior with a patu down the middle doing a full-blown whittle challenge, which just totally threw me. I, I've never seen a Māori woman do that. Um, is, that is that something they do in the fashion world? <laughs> I don't know what my uncle would think of it, but <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Uh, and then she goes back out. So just for our listeners, that, that's just the beginning bit. And I'm sort of sitting there stunned. Next minute, the lights go out. And then we've got this visual of of some marae somewhere and all the parts of it beautifully, respectfully being represented as part of that show, uh, sort of bringing that kawa and tikanga alignment there. And then, boom, the music comes on again. We've got some contemporary music and and these beautiful Māori fashion clothing coming down the runway one after the other. I I, I was completely speechless. And I noticed also the jewellery. Uh, there was some really spectacular jewellery there that they were wearing with all sorts of indigenous stuff all over it. So just for our listeners, that, that yeah. And I was proud to be Māori to see it being respected, uh, but also pushing... Uh, extending on our tupuna knowledge, uh, that matauranga knowledge was being extended in the fabrics and it, while still being respected. And I, I felt that respect sort of kind of come up out of nowhere, really. Uh, but to see our these patterns, our tonga, being respected uh, in fashion and the way it was represented. Sorry, I just, it was awesome. Yes, it was. It was great to see the, um, the use of fabric and the weaving carving patterns, tukutuku patterns, yeah. and tarnical print. Yeah. Yeah, or something, or something. So uh, so where's the future? Where's, where's this all? Do you, where do you see it, Janine, uh, going uh, into the future? 
I think it'll be great to just have it unlabeled so it won't have to be Māori fashion. It's Māori people making clothes, you know, just <laughs> just to not have the – to yeah, so it's just – Sits along others. Yeah, so other it's equal. Songs. It's just equal. It's just fashion, which you know, yeah. equalizes it. So whether it's equivalent with Zambezi or we've got, as we have in the um, Pakia fashion scene, there's like anything from the Wadifari up to World and Zambezi, and having the same in the Maori levels as well. Mm, so we have like order. the Otara market. Um, clothing there and up to you know the ones we saw at Fashion Week and then myself and Shona and the more high end Māori fashion but just knowing it's available for every price bracket mm. you know so that, that it's affordable to everyone regardless of which price bracket you're in so a lot of um, I know a lot of mine are for people save up in their special occasion <coughs> once a year kind of spenders and then with the Adrian, it might be you might end up with, you know, ten in your closet because, <laughs> yeah. So just having all levels marketed at all levels, and um, yes, we identify as Maori, but oh, well, probably just having it, keeping it as a positive brand, not as a, a lesser. Mm. Yeah. So my, you yeah. see, on my cards, I've got pride infused fashion, mm. and rather than. Having a, a big mouldy stamp there, yeah. although my logo's got a nice mouldy design on it. But I wonder that that's, I mean, that's, I think that's a great conversation because, I mean, you know, even people come in here, they don't know I'm a married person because I don't look necessarily married. So, and, you know, it's like, it's, to me, it's not an issue, right? I'm, I'm, I, I love my country, I love my children, but my children won't walk the same walk I've walked. And your son is not growing up in a bunch of, you know, big woolen things full of, Secondhand clothing, so you know this this next generation, you know they don't have to start out in the like, yeah. in this lower socioeconomics. They still have the dream, but of course it'll be their dream. It'll be different from you and my walk to get to that same place. And my my girls will will be totally different from mm-hmm. me because they'll never. I mean they spend their most of their days skiing in, in Mount Hutt. I mean we grew up in Kelston and you. There's no snow Hard. in Calston, and there's, there's nothing flash in Calston, and it, and you know so it's a different journey. But um, you know we still want our kids to have the, the best they can without having to have such a you know Struggle. a needy start. And that's a conversation I like for our people these days. Is you know what, let's just be people, but be proud of who we are, and get on and be successful in that. And and we have something special that other people don't, and that that gives us added added you know flavour added. Um, Opportunity in the marketplace, but really, let's just you know, let's just be good people and and, and change the situation from well, I'm this, therefore, you know, I'm something special supposed to happen. Well, of course, it only happens if you make it happen, like you've made it happen. So, yeah, I like that conversation. I think that's awesome. Yeah, it is. Hey? I mean, going forward, these are you know, you're making a we're making a, the wake for others to follow in and uh, I think it's certainly in your um mm-hmm. you know in your story uh, uh that's 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 what we're hearing it's so uh so you're the risk taker you 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 get the the highs and the lows <laughs> as you create the pathway for others to uh follow uh, and uh I think that's what we want to see is is more of our tamariki uh, 
coming through behind you uh, to benefit, uh, Jeanette, from all your hard work and effort. Uh, and I think that's what it is to be Māori. Eh? We, we, we make way for others to come through mm. and improve and extend on that mātauranga knowledge that we've been gifted uh, from our tūpuna and uh, make it work. And that's not always easy. Uh, we don't always have those levels. Some whānau don't have those levels of support. Uh, and I was, I was just thinking, maybe just in the last few minutes that we've got, what would you say to someone listening tonight, a, a young person that's dreaming uh, of trying, yeah, has a dream to get into something like fashion? What would what would you say to them if you they're listening now? <laughs> yeah, just um, research and learn about the industry. Um, yeah, get out there and meet people. So you just surround yourself with, you know like-minded people um yeah and just don't be afraid like i had the pleasure of um keeping misty company this week misty Ratima, she's oh. showed at Miramoda, and um so i just showed her how to maneuver around the um the week of fashion week which can be quite scary for a first time person yeah and it's like, oh no, you can do it. Just do this. Just follow me, and <laughs> just um, <laughs> yeah. So like, pretty much, if you're doing it, as long as you're doing it gracefully, you can kind of yeah. Yeah, you know, we ended up on the second row. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was good. Yeah, <laughs> bit freaky. And um, oh. yeah, so just don't be afraid and or shy and um, yeah. No, nah, kia ora, kia ora. Well, look, we'll just make a little plug here. Uh, so, Janine, you've got your studio, your fashion studio over on Waiheke Island. Uh, so uh, it's open on uh, Wednesday to Mondays. Fashion uh, hours here. <laughs> Wednesday to Mondays, 10 to 5 p.m. at 23 Waikare uh, Road, uh, One Roa on Waiheke Island. So please, uh, listeners, if you're on Waiheke Island, pop on over to see... To see this lovely place here, and uh, Janine will be there to greet you at the door. And uh, I'd actually also want to put a bit of a, a bit of a challenge out. I think we should all be wearing uh, your fashion. Uh, I'm, uh, it reflects. It just allows us to have a little bit on the outside of what what we carry, the mana we carry on the inside. Um, so I'd, you know, I'd like to encourage all our listeners. Buy some of Janine Clarkin's wares so she we can, she can keep making it. Uh, and so um, my, my pledge is before the end of the year, I'm going to put in a, uh, what do you call it? I'd like to, like to put in a bid tonight for a jacket because I really need a jacket because my Catman is getting a bit old. <laughs> so that, there you go. Awesome. I'll, I'll put down the first one and uh, just encourage our listeners to get behind uh, Janine and, and buy some of her, uh, her fashion and so we can keep having more of it uh, and uh, yeah I just want to say thank you so much uh, kia ora for um, prevailing I suppose because you know it all sounds big and flashy but y- you know it's it's in those hard times and it's in those uh, what do we say in the valleys you know that makes the character eh? it's easy to stand on the top of the maunga and say, yeah, but the, people don't see the valleys and all the hard times it takes to get there. And you've persevered and succeeded at the top of the world. Uh, and uh, we're very proud of that. We, we, we keep doing it, uh, Janine. And let's get more behind you. 
and supporting what you're doing as you extend thus out on the world stage. So, uh, yeah, you've been listening to Tamangai tonight. Uh, my name's Steve Hutana with my brother Greg and our special guest Janine Clarkin. So uh, thank you, uh, Janine, for being with us tonight. I'd love to get you back on uh, the show again and uh, maybe we're focusing around some of your foreign ventures <laughs> into what was it, Paris and all that and, and maybe hear a few more stories around what that's like. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Steve and Greg, for having me. And it's been great I honor, <laughs> being I honor, in here. And... So thank you. Uh, you've been listening to Tamangai uh, tonight on our po- weekly podcast show. Uh, make sure you tune in and listen to all the other awesome stories we've got up there. Uh, and uh, we've got the next three, four weeks booked solid already and uh, many others behind that. Uh, so for those that are listening, if you know someone that's got a really amazing story, please get in touch with us uh, through worldpodcast.com uh, or you can look me up, Steve Hutana, online. Send me an email, my email, hutanadesign uh, at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. And let's, uh, let's get these stories out so uh, other whānau can be encouraged, uh, both locally and globally. Uh, we're starting to have, uh, we'll have some listeners soon from Hawaii. So uh, looking forward to exchanging some of the stories up there. So kia ora, thank you for being with us tonight. Ka kite anō. Kia ora. <laughs>